Welcome back to another episode of Hockey Talk with Ryan Hawk. Today's guest is former East Coast Hockey League player turned entrepreneur Colin Mulvey. Colin spent four years at Norwich University before turning pro, and now he's the founder of Vora, a men's underwear company that's branching into the t-shirt game as well. Colin's story is fascinating to read, and his storytelling ability is second to none. I hope you guys enjoy this episode, and I hope you laugh just as much as we did. This episode's also brought to you by Vora. Look, the base of any great outfit is confidence, so start at the bottom. It took over a year and 16 prototypes to develop the first actual adjustment-free men's underwear. Vora is a men's clothing company that uses a specialized fabric on the lower leg, designed with an increased elastic woven into the material, and it alleviates all unwanted movement. You can run, squat, or slide into a pair of skinny jeans without having to pull down the bottom of your boxers. And your prized possessions, your boys, have been kept in mind as well. The days of unpopular looks and unwanted movement are a thing of the past due to an integrated jock support providing support and comfort. Men don't have to live with the current status quo. Upgrade your wardrobe and confidence with Vora today at www.vora.style. And now, please enjoy some hockey talk with Colin Mulvey. Hey guys, back again for another episode of Hockey Talk, uh, joined by an unofficial repeat guest because I screwed up that first recording. Rookie mistake. Uh, Colin Mulvey, a former college hockey player and East Coast uh, player uh, turned entrepreneur, joins me. Colin, thanks for doing this again. Thanks for being back. Hopefully this one goes uh, a little bit smoother than the first one. That's right. I hit record this time. Yeah, fuck. Um, how's, uh, how's life where you are right now? Where are you at? Uh, currently I'm in Cincinnati um life's pretty stagnant as it is probably in most of the world um i got a brief uh gust of fresh air when i was in uh texas last week which was nice uh got to take the mask off for a quick minute and uh and remember what reality is like and hopefully that's uh coming soon here too but i don't have my whole my breath held <laughs> how's business been for you through all this have you been able i know last time we talked you were you were mentioning that uh your production was was kind of every other day it seemed like yeah um so business is steadily been growing and, and it's been nice especially over the last month seeing to get uh quite a bit of traction and i'm gonna have to open up a little bit it's a bit embarrassing but predominantly uh and i'd almost say, say this is something you should look into too is tiktok has been a major driving force of uh, brand recognition over the last um, uh, last month or so. I think I've been on there for about a month and a half. And I've recruited almost 7,000 followers to this point, which is way more than I'd ever gotten on Instagram on any level. And uh, like sales, sales just keep trickling in and it's amazing. I think I have almost a million impressions and to get a million impressions through like a paid purchasing or anything like that would be pretty expensive so a million free organic impressions it's pretty unreal damn dude how are you promoting on tiktok are you twerking or something because that's all i see on tiktok Fuck no <laughs> Fuck no <laughs> no yeah sometimes when i open the app i feel like i'm gonna go to prison when i see some of these 15 year olds <laughs> on there uh but 
I have a, I have a friend of mine um, back in Massachusetts and he's younger than I am. So he's kind of more tuned into it and he'll send me uh, little clips, like imitate whatever. Um, I just make like quick 10 second clips, like your underwear sucks and here's why. And then I'll be like, they ride up on you, your balls stick to your legs, they're garbage, the material sucks. And then it's over. It's like really quick, bum, 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 bum. Um, and then sometimes I'll do like some parody things, but I definitely can't dance and I can't sing. So thank God no one has to witness those because I have not made any uh, dancing or singing because if I did, I would never be able to live those down. They would be haunting my neighbors forever. Yeah, you'd be out of business. TikTok's like the gateway to like OnlyFans. I feel like that's the next logical step for you. The, for Vora Brand is just, you're going to You know what? A... If someone's willing to pay me money to see me naked, I'll fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think there's too many, too many beggars, uh, too many people lining up with cash in hand. But you know, yeah. if, uh, if this gets 20 people who want to see my horn, we'll do it. Well, <laughs> <laughs> oh, $5 subscription there. Promo, promo code hockey talk. Oh, 10. <laughs> 10 Americans, not Canadian either. I don't want any of that monopoly running. 10 Americans, uh, it's about 100 Canadians. So, um, well, let's let's get into your background, man, because I I do want to talk about Vora, but, you know, this is a hockey podcast. You wouldn't be here without a hockey background. And um, you played four four years at Norwich. Did I say that right? Because I think last time. Yeah, you got it right. You got it right. Okay. All right. So, uh, go into the story of how you ended up there, because it's pretty interesting how you were sort of counted out. Oh yeah, I was, I've been written off a long, uh, a lot of times, long way. Uh, somehow I sneak past. Um, so it started with uh, I went to this showcase and an assistant coach for Norwich um, came down to the locker room after the game and was like, "Hey, Colin, uh, love to have you up on a recruiting trip next weekend. If you can make it, great. If not, maybe another time." Um, so I go home and tell my mom, I'm like, "Yeah, I got this, my first recruiting trip out of juniors and." So I think I'd go up next to me. She's like, all right, have fun. Sends me up on my way by myself. Uh, what I didn't know is that you're typically supposed to go with your parents because everybody else did. I was probably one of 15 people on that recruiting trip. And I was the only guy to not have anybody with me. I was solo. Um, so I go on the recruiting trip and this assistant coach is giving us a tour of the facilities. And he finally sets us all down and he starts running through like the benefits the pros and cons of the school to try to sell us and i should have ran when i heard this but it honestly locked me in a little bit he uh he goes if you guys want to go to a a school with a great academics a great hockey program and beautiful looking women go to middlebury if you want to go to a school with okay academics the worst looking women you ever see in your life and a good hockey team come to norwich (laughs) and i was like sold Yes. Yeah. Uh, who doesn't want bad school and bad looking women? That's me. <laughs> uh, so that I, I still hadn't met the head coach at this point. Um, the game wraps up and everybody is uh, lined up in the hallway out of the coach's room to get like their first meeting with the coach, kind of get a feel of where he sees them. Um, everybody goes in and they come out 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, laughing, giggling. Oh, coach. So great to see. You. I can't wait to, can't wait to talk to you more. Like, oh, it's been great. And they're all giggling. So I'm like, oh, this would be pretty good. And of course I go last because I was the only person who didn't have like a parent to wait. So he brings me in. He's like, yeah, Mulvey. Um, I honestly don't think you're good enough to make my team. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll be in a few years, but bye. And that was the end of my crew visit. And when I was supposed to spend the night, I was like, you know what? 
fuck this guy, fuck this school. I will never, never play for that team. Fuck him. I'm out. So I drive back to Massachusetts, and my mom is like, so how did it go? I'm like, it sucked. Hated it. I'll never go there. And she's like, well, uh, did you finish the application at least? And I'm like, no, I just put my name in the high school transcripts. And she's like, uh, well, send in your transcripts anyway and see what happens. It doesn't hurt. They give you like a free voucher code to send them in anyway. So I sent them in. Didn't think of it. Uh, a day or so later, I end up playing against another kid who was on that recruiting trip, a guy named Mark Collins. And I like outshadowed him big time in that game. So the game ends. The first person I see next to the door coming off the ice is the head coach, McShane. He's like, oh, Mulvey, I knew you were going to be a player. Fuck, I can't wait to have you on that team next year. I got you penciled in right on the first slide. You're my guy. I knew you were a player on Matson was telling me, I can't wait to have you at school. And I was like, fuck this guy. This guy just told me I sucked yesterday. Now I'm the best player he's ever seen. Yeah. So, uh, like, the summer winds down, and unfortunately, nobody else wants me. Everybody else thinks I suck, too. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, and I didn't have any more money, so I remember sending in my, uh, my transcript to Norwich, and I got accepted, and they ended up giving me, like, a pretty substantial money package and everything. So I was like, well, it's either the Marine Corps or going to Norwich. And I was like, oh, fuck, I got to break my promise. I do got to go there. So I showed up to Norwich. And uh, on the first day of school, I realized I was going to be a civil engineer because I never finished my application. And that's what they put me into. <laughs> well, I was going to ask you, like, when you went there, so they tell you, like, the academics are okay. I mean, did you have, when you, you know, a lot of college guys, when I when I talk to them, they go, yeah, you know, I, I, I did put my, my academic hat on and I, I did focus on school. Were you just like, I just want to play hockey for four years and get out of here? Or was it, I mean... Civil engineering sounds a little bit deep. Yeah, so it's, it's a bit of a, a conundrum, I'm going to be honest. Uh, looking at me, you wouldn't think that I have too many brain cells kicking around in there. But sometimes, somehow I get, I get it done. Um, and I'd always like, would surprise teachers too because I'd be the kid in the last row. And I never, I never took a note in my four years of college. I'd sit in the last row like this and just listen with my hands behind my head. And somehow I walked out of there valedictorian of the engineering department in the state of Vermont. Okay. Okay. But I, I honestly don't know how I did it because it wasn't as if I was putting in these massive amount of hours. I just kind of, I just didn't skip class and paid attention. <laughs> that's the secret, man. I mean, that's uh, so another, another kind of write-off situation, right? They probably thought here's this hockey guy. He's not taking notes. He's probably going to fail out and you proved them all wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think the long hair definitely doesn't help my case, uh, in that department. I kind of look like a, a wet dog most of the time. Um, but yeah, I, I honestly, I do the same thing with women. I'd rather, uh, set your expectations really low to start with, <laughs> but then, so then if I can do anything, I exceed them and I look like a stallion. I don't want you to come out of the gate too hot and then you expect too much from me moving forward. Yeah. Are you single? Uh, I've, I've been seeing a girl here for a bit now. Okay. I was going to say then, uh, you know, you, you raise the bar a little bit then at least we know. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta, you gotta, it's like going into a cold, cold water. You gotta really yeah. itch in slowly. You don't just go diving in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was looking at the team record. I mean, the team was good all four years that you were there. Um, 
outside of of yourself what was the reason for all that success uh the reason is just a bunch of degenerates that uh <laughs> got along really well off the ice i don't know how else to put it uh definitely the closest team atmosphere i've ever been on um and i think a big part of it honestly comes down to recruiting the the psychopath that told me that it was a a good hockey school with bad looking women he did he did an amazing job of finding guys that kind of slip through the cracks whether it be that they're playing in saskatchewan and nobody else is looking there or they didn't pass uh certain academic requirements for other schools um or just me like i was undersized and he kind of saw uh the right position to put me in but at least from my perspective in college hockey 95 percent of it is talent versus like coaching and we just always suited the best team underneath those jerseys it wasn't as if we had X's and O's or strategy better than the other teams, we just had better players. Yeah. I'm glad you said that, man. I, you know, granted I never played college hockey or anything, but even growing up, like we had a, I remember one year I had a coach that was so invested in systems and every practice, it was half the practice you're sitting in front of the whiteboard and he's drawing circles. And, and I thought, you know, maybe once in a game, my line is going to have a chance to do the exact breakout. But a lot of times when you're on the offensive zone, you're not actually going to have, you know, a set play that you can pull off because there's five other guys. It's easy to do that in practice when there's nobody else on the ice. But um, at the end of the day, the best, you know, the best measure of your success is the scoreboard. Um, that last year, too, you led the team in points and goals. So was that when you started to get pro offers or did you have anything in the works prior? No, I didn't have anything in the works until... Uh... After the buzzer rang, my my final my final college game didn't even think about it. There's only one guy on our team um, who had any kind of recognition from any kind of pro leagues. It was a guy named Kyle Thomas. Uh, he just uh, hung him up this year due to the Rona, but he was he came out of the gate hot freshman year. He's a little bit bigger than I am. Um, he just had a little bit more of a natural scoring touch, and he could fight too. And he actually got noticed. Um, from a summer tournament because he beat the piss out of some guy in, in some scrimmage and some scout was in the stands like we need to bring him to the Leafs camp so uh, but I never I never got any recognition um, the only time I even knew that there's a potential of playing pro hockey was uh, once the season ended I got a call from uh, a team in the now defunct CHL that ended up merging with the coast uh, a few years back but they called me looking for a guy to, uh, to help them out for their playoff run. And I, and I couldn't believe I thought it was unreal to live in Dallas, Fort Worth for two months, finishing up my college years or live in freezing cold Vermont. I, I took the opportunity to run to Dallas and, and check what that was about. Yeah, that was the Fort Worth Brahmas. And uh, you had nine playoff games, two goals, four PIMs. So good, good taste of pro hockey to start you off. Yeah, especially my first shift ever of pro hockey. I'm sitting there and I'm sitting on the starting line and it's like, welcome to the ice, Shane Toporowski. And he's accompanied by his two kids. His two kids were bigger than me out there. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, this guy's 65 years old. So I line up next to him and I'm thinking he's going to be like this nice old veteran. He looks over at him. He's like, hey, kid, this is your first game? I'm like, yeah, it is. And he's like, well, great. Cause it's going to be your fucking last one too. And I take your goddamn head off right now. I'm like, Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's like slap shot. He's like, Ogie Oglethorpe. He's just like giving you the nod. Like you're going down. 
pretty much. He's, yeah. he's a big boy too. And I actually ended up meeting him a few years after and told him this story because he ended up becoming Worcester State, which is my hometown uh, college hockey coach. So I ended okay. up running into him and I'm like, hey, Topper, you remember me saying you're going to murder me about four <laughs> years ago? And he tried to. He got me good. He, he fucking smoked me with an elbow like two minutes okay. in. I was like, at least he's a man of his word. <laughs> <laughs> what is, uh, were you prepared for life in the Cheese Toast League when you're, you're playing college hockey? I, I assume there's going to be some similarities there. Uh, I was, I was um, a bit for like the, the on-ice stuff. The, the hardest part is the off-ice stuff. And it's twofold. Like one, one difficult part is just the time. It's kind of boring as fuck when you first get into it because there's nothing to do, especially I'm living in Wheeling, West Virginia, which is about the most barren place in the world. Uh, it's a time that people forgot. And you're sitting there, you practice from 10 to 10, 30, maybe 11 o'clock and you're done for the day. And as a 22 year old kid, when you have from 11 a.m. to 1 a.m., with nothing in between like what the hell do you do and you kind of you just get into different little vices and games i know i became really good at pool dart and gambling that year which is not three things you want to become good at <laughs> yeah. i really learned how to work a craps table uh and then the other part that sucks is just like the the politics that come in with pro hockey um i remember my first year, like there's so many ups and downs because I'm a un, like unsigned, undrafted free agent that's just on the team. And you have some other guys with some big NHL contracts. And I finally like work into the lineup. And then I'm, I'm supposed to I take pregame skate. I'm on the first line, first power play. I go into the locker room on the board. I'm first line, first power play. But then I see two guys with Pittsburgh Penguins bags sitting in the hallway, guy Carter Rowney and Tom Kunockle, and they got sent down from Oaksbury for the day. I don't think much of it. And then uh, I get fully dressed about two minutes before warm-up's about to start. Coach comes in the locker room and like, hey, Maul, uh, Pittsburgh sent down two guys today. I got to scratch you. Take your shit off. Like, what the fuck? And then, like, that just crushes you uh, mentally to be so high and so low, the instability – that that's yeah. one of the toughest parts of pro, pro hockey and it was the entire time through all four years that I played. And I've heard too, and I don't know if this is true or not, or if it was for you, but in the East coast league, it's almost like your contracts are kind of like week to week, almost like it's minute by minute. <laughs> minute, <laughs> well, yeah. By minute. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, I, cause I, there was a local guy up here. Um, I, I kind of knew him, but he was telling me that he bounced between a few East coast leagues within the same hockey season. And it was like, literally it was like, Hey, one, like you're basically here for a month and then you got to find somewhere else to play. And it was, you know, and, and, and like you said, with the guys that are on the NHL deals, yeah. If, if you get flushed down from Wilkes-Barre because there's no room for you in Wilkes-Barre, get you down, get you some ice time in, in, uh, in Wheeling, then obviously everyone else takes the hit there. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, they're they're paying these they've already paid these guys everybody on the nhl ahl contract has already been paid so the the money has been spent they might as well play these guys and they already they want to see these guys perform so they can make it to the next level so their investment doesn't go to zero um so i understand it from a financial standpoint but for the guys on just the east coast deal you're literally second by second you could be 
first line and then you literally get cut that night because there's only so many roster spots and if they send somebody down and the team doesn't have enough money to fit it on the salary cap for that week because the salary caps are week by week too um they're literally like well mall uh fortunately it's never happened to me but they're like yeah you're cut and i i i've seen hundreds of guys come in play two three games kicked out the next day no sight no warning you could score a hat trick but if you're the the new guy that they have no skin in the game with see you later they don't give a shit yeah uh you mentioned wheeling that's the town that biz made famous uh did you ever meet moondog no, I don't, I've never met Moondog. I know that there was like a couple, we call them creatures, uh, definitely some, <laughs> some unique specimens cruising around the wheel. Uh, there was one woman who would stand, or I wouldn't say stand, she would sit in this, like the player's entrance uh, when we'd practice and she would just like mean mug you on the ice like you missed the bed. She would stare at you. She's a big woman too. I was like, oh, this one's going to beat the piss out of me when I get off the ice. <laughs> and then there was always this one fan that would stand above like the Zamboni entrance and he would just send some violently stop towards only to Wheeling too. He's a Wheeling fan, but he would never chirp the other team. All he would do is chirp us. And he was vicious, by far the most vicious guy I've ever like seen in the stands before. And he would just tear people apart. Like, not just, like, you suck. Like, it was, like, above and beyond. It was deep. He would dig deep, like, throw as much bullshit as he can. The guys sit at home, Wikipedia and stuff about you, like, on Reddit boards trying to compile oh his curves just to carve you. Oh, my God. You uh, you played with a couple of guys I noticed in your time in the, in the coast. Uh, one guy I wanted to ask you about, Jared Stahl. He's kind of the... Up here in Canada, like he's kind of the guy that I think we all sort of have, you know, a lot of empathy for being from a, a hockey family and two brothers are cup champs. Uh, what was Jared like? Because nobody really knows. Like that's kind of the weird thing. He, they kept him out of the, the spotlight for so long and now nobody really knows what he's like. He's by far one of my favorite teammates in my hockey career and one of the most humble and funniest people I've ever met. Uh at no point, if, if you never saw his face, because he looks exactly like his brothers too, but if you didn't see his face or his name, you'd have no idea that this guy comes from hockey royalty. I remember uh, his brother at one time is the face of Bauer. Like, he's got his own age, like, a full-time Bauer employee. His only job is to make sure Eric is happy. And then Jared sit next to me in South Carolina, and his skates are being held together with duct tape and a little bit of bubble gum. And he's like, come on, give me a fucking break here. Like, can I get something? <laughs> and he's too proud to, like, fall in the favor with his brother. Like, that's not even on the table. And the, the trainer in South Carolina is too cheap to even get rivets for his, his holders. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, but, yeah, he, he was awesome, awesome guy. And he would always – the one thing I can remember about him more than anything is he would always say – the most random shit at the most random times and it'd be hilarious it's like coach would be giving up this huge pump up game speech like we need to go out there and fucking win you guys have sucked for weeks now let's fucking go and every single little town or whatever has their jingle from the local car dealership and ours was stokes honda it was like the local car dealership so coach would give that whole thing and he'd be like fucking right stokes honda <laughs> Jared would say that. Yeah, he would just be like Stoke Tonda. 
uh, get your mind right. You'd just be sitting on the bench and you'd like, you'd skate by the bench and it's in between a Whistler TV timeout. And he'd be staring at you like eye to eye and he'd look at you and go, get your mind right, get your mind right. <laughs> it, it could be like a 10 to 1 game and he's like just saying craziness to you. It would be the funniest things. Oh my God. That's, uh, I don't know. I think I heard he's coaching now over in England or something like that. But um... he's, in, uh, he's back in the coast with Orlando, I think. Oh, is he? As a coach? Yeah. Um, another guy I wanted to ask you about, and this is because I'm a Capitals fan, I'm very curious to know about Vitek Vanacek. Uh, he's held the, the ship together in Washington, but um, what was he like? I mean, those for him too, being, I guess, Czech or whatever he is, playing in, in, in the East Coast League, that's got to be a big culture shock for him. Oh, yeah. When I, when I played with him, it was his first time living away from home because he was only 19, I think, when he was with me in South Carolina. And... He had not, like, grasped the English language yet. He had – Washington did an unreal job with him, even from the start. They had a full-time translator, like, get the rink with him to talk with the coaches, and then they always send down the goalie coaches from Washington, whether it be Mitch Korn or his assistant, would always be in, uh, in South Carolina with us, like, helping him out. Um, the language barrier made it a little bit more difficult to become friends with him. But what I can remember most is the one – phrase he got down perfectly was it's shitty and everything was shitty to VTech. You'd be like, hey VTech, how was dinner? It's shitty. <laughs> how to, how's coach's game plan today? It's shitty. <laughs> like, everything was shitty to VTech. He fucking nothing was ever uh, up to par for VTech. But it was I think it was hilarious. I think most of that just because he couldn't say anything else and he it made people laugh. So he just kept saying it. But uh, it was it was pretty cool to see him him thrive. And the year I was there, he went and played World Junior with uh, Pasternak. Um, so so he was a stud from the get go. It was just a matter of, I think a bit was just having him assimilate into American culture. And I think he really started coming around when his his old lady moved from the Czech down to Charleston with us. And I think he's still with her um, to like give him somebody or something to like hang out with because it's it's tough living in germany uh not speaking language was tough for me but most germans speak english i can't imagine being 19 and not speaking a word of english and living in the u.s yeah and it's not even like you're living in new york or something where there's probably a lot to do right it's a bit of a you said that was in charlotte that year charleston charleston sorry so yeah i mean it's 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 not like i say it's not like miami or LA or something too it's uh probably not much going on it's it's not much of like a a cultural hotspot either where you're bound to run into a few checks the only (laughs) you ain't running into nobody down there who's not from there there's a few like imports but it's a it's a pretty generic American experience yeah I'm just picturing like some some guys in check like where you want to go this year for our trip like Charleston, like, it's like Charleston, yeah. Prague. Where is that? I don't know. We can we can go down the street to Prague. We go to Charleston. Let's go to Charleston. <laughs> they come back. They're just like, "How was the trip?" It's shitty. It's um, shitty. It's shitty. <laughs> one of the wildest guys the NHL has seen in the last decade, Trevor Gillies. Uh, you've told this story before, but I, I want you to tell it again because it makes me laugh every time. He gets hurt 
And uh, like Steve Buscemi's character in Billy Madison, he's just lining guys up for when he returns. Yeah, he gets the hit list going. The Gillies hit list. Uh, so he got hurt in a preseason game um, as a 38-year-old. I think I think it was his 17th or 18th year pro because he used to tell us when he's getting out of the fart sock on the bus every time. Like he'd roll out at four in the morning, and go 18 years of doing it, boys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we had a preseason game, and there's the ugliest guy in the league on the other team, a guy named Emerson Clark. And he just started giving the gears to Gillies from the warm-ups on him. Like, this guy's got a death wish. Kind of respect it, but this guy's got a death wish. And he just would be like, Gillies, can you come out and play with me today? Come on, Gillies. Come on, Gillies. Like, Gillies, can you tell your coach to let you come on the ice? Just, like, throwing little jabs at him. Uh, so, finally, Gillies gets out there, and he skates clear across the ice, boards the boards to line this kid up, and he's got him. But the guy made it, like, a one quick sidestep. Gillies misses, smokes the glass tore his his shoulder apart somehow he's out for like five weeks so in the meantime gillies is up in the stands and anytime that anybody did anything mean to someone on our team gillies would write you down on the hit list and he'd he'd take notes he'd have it on his ipad in the notes section and be like 22 wheeling fighting gonna get it for fuck with my man man mo (laughs) and then like uh as as uh, his his recovery is winding down, he's about to come back to the ice. We started telling the guys that were playing against if they were on or off Gillies' hit list, and they'd be like begging for us to uh, to to plead our cases with them. Like, come on, man, you gotta tell him a good guy. I didn't mean I was having a tough day. My old lady cheated on me. You gotta get me off. Tell him I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Just the that that like the visual of a guy 18 years in pro hockey sitting in the press box with like a sling on or something like that, probably it just him not just putting down like, yeah, 22, but like exactly what he did. <laughs> so that mentally when he goes to work that guy over, he's like, I know exactly, you know, why I'm doing this. And, uh, I just, oh man, that story just cracks me up every time because did he still have the handlebar mustache too in, in the coast? He, for November he did, which was when he was up in the press box collecting signatures or, or death certificates. Yeah, he, he was, I don't know, he's probably one of the better teammates I had, too. He was, like, like uh, captain material in a sense where he's the guy to, to reach out to get things going and I always invite the new guy into the locker room. Um, I, I really respected what he did. And he's, he's it's, it's incredible because he's so, so nice when the buzzer stops. But when it starts, he's a like, prototypical case of literally you can see the wires cross and the sparks start to flare. <laughs> And another human being just erupts. It's almost like a Hulk transformation where it goes from like this meager, really nice, sweet man to just this incredible killer that you better watch the fuck up. Yeah. Well, it's any, like I reached out to him on Instagram. I'm trying to get him on the show and his Instagram was private. So I, you know, had to send him the requests and everything. Right. And, um, and I expected once I got the, uh, the approval that I'd see like just him, you know, like, looking scary as hell and whatever in his Instagram just just him you know with his kids and he's you know like just a really like a guy, great guy like savage wild man savage wild man wild man savage and we got a brand new smoker we'd love to show you <laughs> yeah like he just he's like a normal guy and I just 
but I've heard, I've heard that about all those tough guys, whether it's NHL or, you know, another guy I'm trying to reach out to, or he's coming on the show, I should say, is uh, Jeremy Yablonski, who was an AHL tough guy for years. But like, again, you see their life on, on social media. It's like, this guy just loves to kayak. Like he's almost like Zen, but when he's on the ice, it's like, he's for that 60 minutes. He's like, he's a, just an absolute killer. Yeah. This like Gillies always was hanging out with his, uh, he had a daughter and a son and his wife and like his passion in life was yard work and like making the backyard. He'd be like, Mull, you should see the azaleas right now. Wife sent me a picture this morning. <laughs> they are full bloom. Unbelievable. Can't wait. There's a few, I got to trim up a few, but the pool parties of the summer, people are going to be commenting on them. <laughs> He's like, yeah, man, you had a good weekend at the craps table. Yeah. You know, I, I, I got my garden all set up. Uh, I'm really just enjoying gardening right now. You're like, what? Yeah. He knows like all the species, like the, the science, the Latin names of this shit too. He's deep. He's deep in it. <laughs> uh, being from Mass, uh, did you ever uh, have a chance to skate with some local NHLers, whether it's guys from Mass or, or the Bruins? Uh, I, I was pretty fortunate with that. Um, ended up becoming uh, friendly with a guy named Mike Greer, a uh, long time oh, yeah. NHL yeah. pro. Heard of him. And yeah, he uh, he used to run these skates out of Boston University, which is his alma mater um, in the mornings for the for the pro camp. And I remember the first time he invited me to one. I was skating with him at night. He's like, hey, Mull, excuse me. We uh, we got these skates in the morning. You're more than welcome to join us. Uh, be a few good guys. It'd be a good skate. And that's all I know of it. So I'm like, oh, it'd probably be uh, me a few other guys like college guys that I skate with not a big deal I walk into the locker room first person I see is Brooks Orpik and I'm like what the fuck and then I, I keep looking around and there's Tuka Ras, David Krejci, Brad Marchand, Bergeron, Hal Gill, uh, Jay Pandolfo like a pretty endless list I think at one point there's like 10 Olympians with Keith Yandel, Corey Schneider and I'm like holy fuck i am so out of my depth right now i am a peasant like mike you like the right guy here today i don't think i should be able to do that. <laughs> yeah you're like do you want me to fill up gatorade bottles like i don't understand why i'm here yeah. is uh like I- i'll cheer I'll-, I'll go in the stands <laughs> like cheer these guys on i'll pay i'll literally pay money to watch this practice but i don't think i should be a part of this practice yeah did you, uh, I mean, Marshawn's kind of the one guy that I've heard similar to Gillies, I guess, like on the ice, he's a rat, but away from the ice, he's just a, a really great guy. Do you have a chance to, to come across him at all? Yeah. So I, I, uh, I became pretty friendly with him in the locker room during my time there. And I remember being like from Massachusetts, watching the Bruins. I, I've never been a Bruins fan. So I had an allegiance to Brad Marshawn, but I was like, I fucking hate this guy as a player. He's a scumbag. Fuck this guy uh and like as we started skating you could see like this guy's incredibly talented but then I'm like, this guy's actually fucking fun as hell to be around i like this guy and i remember sitting next to him in the locker room at one point I'm like man i fucking hated you until i met you but i gotta say i like you and it hates me it pains me to tell him to tell you that <laughs> but he's he doesn't take himself too seriously he's he's, he's a bit of a character he when I was with him at the time, he had this purple Lambo, convertible purple Lambo. And he wouldn't, <laughs> he didn't even put the top of it on. So he parks this purple Lambo right outside 
downtown boss in front of BU's rink and the guy's got a Lamborghini and he fucking stiffed the 50 cents in the parking meter. So he's got a ticket sitting on his dashboard. <laughs> so I took a, I have a, I still have a picture of it today of his Lambo with the orange envelope on it. Uh, but yeah. And the only other like real memorable story of my time at Marshawn was uh, the way Boston University works, they have a men's room, a men's rink and a women's rink. They take the ice out of the men's rink in the summer just because it's, I guess, cheaper. So you, we would get dressed at the men's facility and walk across the street to the women's facility. So Brad and I are walking across the street uh, and he's in full Bruins gear. He's got his helmet on, the jersey, everything except for his skates. He's got them hanging over his shoulder. And the Poland Spring water bottle guy is like cruising down the street and then hammers the brakes and stops and looks at Marshawn. He's like, hey, hey, are you Brad Marshawn of the Bruins? He's like, nah, I'm just another guy with a wicked big fucking nose. And just like... (laughs) (laughs) And then like, the guy's like... And Marshawn, (laughs) I'm like, yeah, Marshawn, come on, come come get a picture of me. So the guy comes down, I take a picture of the two of them, and and we keep going to practice, but I thought that was pretty funny. Like... No shit, he's Marshawn. He's got his fucking Bruins helmet on. Like, who else is walking around like this? Just the fact that he'd answer that that way, too. Just, like, yeah, that guy probably gets it. I was thinking about, like, outside of Nova Scotia, where he's from, and then Boston. That guy probably can't really leave and, and wander around cities too much. I think he's at a point now. He's made enough enemies all over. So, um, did, did he end up uh, skating with the Wit Dog? Any Any good stories about him? Uh, my, my best story of Whitney would be, um, we're doing the, the, the pro skates again with, uh, with Greer and there's this one drill where, uh, a guy would skate down and you'd have to make a pass from the goal line, like the corner and the goal line to the far blue line, like opposite side of the ice. So it's like 150 foot pass and they're moving full speed. So Whitney is the guy skating, and I'm the person responsible for passing him the puck. I'm nervous as shit because this is pretty early on too. So Whitney's going. Thank God he's not the fastest guy in the world. But regardless, I'm like, I got to fucking lean into this pass. I got to get it there, and I got to hit him on the tape. So I get it there, but I completely miss the tape, and I smoke him in the feet. Like a terrible fucking pass. And... Winnie fucking stops dead still, looks at me, and then just two-hand tomahawks his stick right in the stands. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so fucking embarrassed. So he starts skating off the ice, and Mike Greer's like, Whitney, where the fuck are you going? And he's like, I'm going to call my accountant to see how much longer I have to play this stupid fucking game. (laughs) (laughs) What year was this? Like 2014 or 15 or something? This would have been the year he was going to Florida on okay. the uh, the PTO. I don't remember yeah. what hockey year that was, but yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, this sounds like probably like right, you know, the overlap would have been right at the end. He was yeah, probably just his, his account was like, yeah, you don't have to play this game. He's like, all right, I'm starting a podcast. I'm fucking done. There. <laughs> he, he rolls up in his Mercedes S550 white with white rims like the darkest tint you've ever seen on your life on the windows <laughs> yeah just an illegal tent 
that's uh that's pretty good though he's yeah his career is kind of funny like i looked him up uh, uh just recently and like in his prime he was so good but i think now he's got more more uh brand recognition from chiclets and the vodka than he ever had as an nhl like 10 times and just like his brand recognition with 16 year old women all over the planet with pink whitney is yeah. out, out the window i know have you ever had the the pink whitney no, I, I don't drink, uh, surprisingly, but I, I haven't had it. Yeah, I don't drink, uh, well, I barely drink, but for Christmas one year, like we just hit Canada in like November and, uh, we had our family Christmas and my brother bought a bottle and I, I was just like, I'm not, a, I don't even drink, let alone drink vodka, but I was like, this, this really just tastes like, you know, <laughs> like grapefruit juice that just kind of gets you buzzed. But, uh. It's 35 bucks up here, which I was told apparently is like overpriced in Canada. But then again, our eight or nine bucks here, I think it's cheap shit. It's like the <laughs> yeah. bottom of the barrel stuff here, I guess. But yeah. frat girls love it or sorority girls, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, it's a cult following, right? You just tell everyone you polish off a bottle of vodka. You don't tell them that it was 80% pineapple or whatever grapefruit juice. But uh, pink, pink lemonade, pink lemonade. Is that what it is? Yeah shows what i know uh let's talk about after your pro career man i mean you started vora uh at what point you know your hockey ends for you what point were you starting to think hey i want to get into the uh the men's uh men's clothing where uh that would have been the the first two years after it um i was pretty hell-bent on uh making a stand in the real estate market um, so I, I bought and sold quite a few homes. Um, I still, I still, I still do, uh, dabble in the real estate market. Um, but one day I'm sitting at the sewing machine because I have weird, weird shaped body. I got these tiny little legs on me. My torso is someone of six, three and my legs are someone of five, two. So I, <laughs> nothing really fits me well. Uh, so I, I always sort of tailor up my own pants, um, so they could fit and, I was like, well, if this works for um, my my pants, maybe I can like tailor some t-shirts that fit me right. Because uh, to my experience, every t-shirt was uh, square cut from the armpits down to the waist. And most men that I hang out with aren't cylinder based. They, they got a little bit of a shape to them and not, not round. Um, so I started kicking around with that. And then I just, it just kept steamrolling. And one thing led to another. Uh, I ended up linking up with a factory down in Colombia, and on the way to Colombia, uh, if people don't know, Colombia is renowned for having women that look the opposite of Norwich women. Um, uh, they're, they're pretty good looking. So I'm sitting in the terminal in Colombia, and right as this like beautiful woman sitting across from me looks at me, she catches me pulling my nuts off my leg. And... <laughs> Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, that's a deal breaker. Yeah, they're not, let, they're, not letting, they're not letting you in the country after that. Yeah, yeah, that's a swing and a miss on that. That's one missed. Uh, so I was like, well, I'm meeting with this factory tomorrow. Maybe when I'm there to uh, to discuss this shirt so we can, we can try to make some underwear that's a little bit better, uh, that has no slip legs and like a nut pouch so you don't get caught pulling them off your legs in front of beautiful women. Uh so when I was there, I, I really didn't like any of the fabrics they had to offer for the t-shirts, but they did for the underwear. So I started rolling with the underwear first. Um, been selling now for about five months. 
and and it's been it's been slowly but steadily growing and it's promising and yeah this morning i got confirmation that what i hope is the final prototypes of those t-shirts that i originally designed uh shipped and should be here at the end of the week that's perfect i was going to ask you about the t-shirts too because i i mean it's one thing for underwear but like you said i mean it's not that i'm in the shape i was when i played hockey but i still you know i still got a bit of a v taper and that's i hate buying shirts it's just the absolute worst yeah because it's always blousey even even if you are in tremendous shape the t-shirt makes you look soft um so uh they and and the other thing is like depending on how big of a man you are it really really like doesn't do you very well um because on my t-shirts with someone who's like an extra large man there's almost a five inch difference between the chest and the waist and on per se like a small there's only like one or two inch difference between the chest and the waist because if you're like a a large man that's athletically shaped build you have a pretty dramatic v-shape on you um and if but if you're to buy that typical large t-shirt you have a massive amount of excess fabric hanging off your sides or your back yeah and that's uh yeah i mean i'm not like a fashion guy in the sense of designing shirts and stuff but I, i notice that too and my problem is even like buying suits is like i'm five foot ten but I've got like a broad chest and a broad shoulders. And then it's like the suit jacket never fits properly. I got to Like I got to tailor my suit jackets, bananas. It's not same with me. You got to spend just as much on tailoring as you did on the actual suit. So you're like, might as well go custom. Um, but yeah, it, it's to me, I think it's a niche in the market that no one's really filled this is a like high quality premium looking t-shirt that doesn't look like you're going to go to the squat rack uh after like you could actually wear it to the uh, to the bar or just on the out on the town um i like to think if it's if calvin klein or hugo boss was designed by a lululemon um like engineer have you been in talks with like even like the east coast league to say hey you know can i get some shirts to these guys that you know because it sounds like this is going to be more tailored for athletes yeah the underwear is uh is pretty um across the board anybody can they're they're not tailored towards a certain um athletic physique but the the shirts are definitely going to be geared more towards athletically shaped men um i do did reach out with the uh not the echl particularly but it's called the phpa which is the players union for the ahl and the east coast league um and i do have a, a working relationship with them uh, hopefully when the shirts do come out with mass production, I'm going to reach back out to them to see if we can get another, uh, another blurb on their radar to, to send it out to guys. But I think there's much more potential for the t-shirts because underwear is kind of a taboo in, in male society. It's not like, Hey man, sick underwear. Where'd you buy those? bro? <laughs> <laughs> you don't say that, you know, yeah, you, know sure. you don't go up to anybody and be like, Hey man, my nuts feel great today. You should try these out. <laughs> It's a little bit awkward. It's a bit awkward. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never gone into the men's room like a, like girls do, right? They come out, they, they go in strangers. They come out best friends. I've never been in the men's room like, hey, hey, are those Vora underwear? Like standing at the urinal? Like, yeah. Like, look at the no slip legs on you. <laughs> those must be real comfortable, man. Jeez. There's um, two things. 
at best you walk out a little piss on your feet when the guy's like what and turns around and sprays <laughs> yeah 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 and you don't get your face caved in for for asking weird questions in the men's room yeah put on gilly's hit list <laughs> exactly well uh colin man i appreciate you taking the time to to jump back on here and and you know showing some grace with me as i learn the technical side of hockey podcasting and not just talking into a microphone. Uh, where can people connect with you and, and check out Bora as well? Uh, so you can um, go directly to the site. It's Bora.style, V-O-R-A dot style. Uh, no dot com, none of that jazz. Um, you can check out the Instagram. I'm going to be honest, I've been slacking with the Instagram because it's kind of been a dead space full of just like craziness, political one way or another. So I've been... <laughs> backing off there a bit but uh the the handle is Bora style uh v-o-r-a-s-t-y-l-e and like i said earlier if you don't cut that out uh, i do have a tiktok <laughs> <laughs> you can see some some pretty embarrassing moments you might laugh a little bit uh it's the same Bora style on that as well but uh hopefully big things coming in the next few weeks here absolutely man well uh thanks again colin for coming on to our listeners uh, you can check out the show uh, anywhere you listen to the podcast, and you can check out uh, my Instagram page, Hockey Talk Pod. Connect with me there. And uh, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time. Thanks again to Colin for coming on the show, and thank you to you for listening. Make sure to rate, subscribe, and share this podcast, and tune in next week for more Hockey Talk.